0: Hey ladies, welcome back to the show. I am your host, Trisha Stefankowitz, registered dietitian and nutritionist. On our episode today, I wanted to talk about a hot topic. And so a hot topic is going to be something that we can do on this show when I get multiple people that ask me kind of the same topic. And so on our episode today, we are going to talk about the hot topic of weight loss surgery. So I wanted to, as a nutrition professional, kind of talk about um, weight loss surgery, if you're somebody who's had weight loss surgery, if you're somebody who is considering weight loss surgery, just kind of talking to you about my viewpoint, my experiences with weight loss surgery. Um, Of note, none of this is meant to be judgmental. Um, It is meant to be something that, you know, I'm providing information Um, but that also ultimately it is what is best for you, your family, your situation, and not meant to shame you. If you have had any kind of weight loss surgery, or if you decide that you want to have weight loss surgery in the future, this is all about, you know, loving and accepting your body. And so I just wanted to kind of put that out there at the very beginning. Also, you know, the viewpoint that I'm going to come about this is based on my history of working in, I've worked with people who were undergoing evaluations for weight loss surgery. I have worked in a hospital where we saw a lot of complications related to weight loss surgery. And then also I am somebody who is very risk averse myself. I will do anything not to have any surgical interventions And so I just wanted to kind of put that out there for you just so you kind of have an idea of what my viewpoint is, um, you know, before we dig into this topic. And I wanted to talk about this idea of weight loss surgery and just kind of talk about my thoughts about it and questions when people ask me about it. Because over the last couple of months, I have been getting questions about it. And it's very varied in terms of the individuals who will ask me. There have been people who were um, young that don't have any comorbidities. And then I have people that are older that have multiple comorbidities. I have people that have decided that they wanted to pursue this for themselves because, you know, they have been on this weight loss journey for a really long time and they're just kind of tired of it and they want something to be different. And then I've also had people whose doctors have recommended, um, weight loss surgery, either Because they think it'll have an improvement of their disease states, or perhaps they need some kind of necessary elective surgery, and perhaps their BMI is too high, and so this is a way to get to the bigger surgery that they may need. And so, this is why I kind of wanted to talk about weight loss surgery because, like anything, I feel like there is so much information out there, there's so much misinformation, and I can give you my perspective, um, and my experience of what I've, you know, what I've seen in terms of weight loss surgery. Um, but certainly knowing that you know your body better than anybody. And so ultimately it is up to you and, you know, it's just my job to kind of give you some information and then you do whatever it is you feel like is best for you in order to, you know, to, to what works best for you, because ultimately, you know, you better than anybody else. And so when we're talking about weight loss surgery, I wanted to just kind of address the how many people are getting weight loss surgery. So there is data from March 2021 from the American Society for Metabolic and Bariatric Surgery that there is an increase in bariatric surgery trends from 2011 to 2019. Now that's probably not so surprising to many of us. Um <clears throat> approximately two hundred and fifty six thousand people had bariatric surgery in twenty nineteen, but from twenty eleven, that was an increase of sixty two percent. And so, bariatric surgery is you know it's becoming more um, more of a trend. Typically, when we're I guess when doctors or surgeons are trying to figure out if somebody is meets the criteria of if they can have any kind of weight loss surgery. Typically, I think the 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 like the looser guidelines tend to be that if someone has a BMI greater of 40, they may be somebody who's a candidate. If someone has a BMI of greater than 35, but they have other medical conditions, they also may be a candidate for having bar- any kind of weight loss surgery. With this process, there also tends to be other things too. There's usually some kind of um, medical workup. There tends to be, usually there's also a component of like showing that you've had failed diet attempts or you they may even put you on some kind of calorie restriction. And if you decide to go forward with the option of having the surgery, you also tend to have a calorie restriction before you have the actual surgery. Also as part of the workup, which is, I'm guessing, pretty extensive, but I'm sure there's other places. It probably just depends on where you have the surgery performed. So I'm guessing if you go to a bigger surgery center, perhaps that workup may be different than another place that, um, that maybe is a little bit more lenient. Because it seems like the patients that I see, they're, it's kind of all over the place in terms of what the requirement is. Um, But there's typically some kind of psychological component that is part of it too, is part of the workup. And then if you're somebody who then moves forward and has the surgery, sure, there's a whole nother process that's part of that. And that also requires typically like routine um, follow-ups with the surgeon just to kind of assess everything and and see kind of how you're doing. So we'll talk about the weight loss surgeries, the most common weight loss surgeries, and and we'll talk about, I guess we'll talk about four different ones. Now, remember, I'm not a surgeon, I'm a dietitian, So I'm going to try to explain it to you from my perspective. But if you want more of a detailed analysis of what it is, I guess you can look at some surgical sites and there's probably some images on the internet that you can get. So I'm going to just try to give you like a very broad synopsis from my viewpoint. So the typical four types of surgery that we'll talk about today are gastric bypass, gastric sleeve, gastric band, and then duodenal switch surgery, right? Um, When we talk about four of these, three of these are considered to be irreversible and just one of them is reversible. So like with any kind of surgery, you're having something done for the most part, that cannot be reversed. And so, you know, just kind of knowing that when you're going into making this a decision or just even thinking about it in your brain. So when we talk about a gastric bypass surgery, we also talk about, it's also known as a Roux-en-Y. And this is a small pouch that is created from your original stomach and connected to your small intestine. And so then you bypass a huge part of your stomach. Um, Some people say that, you know, especially, I guess, post-procedure, you are only able to fit like a tiny bit, like just a couple ounces in your stomach, like a medicine cup of food in your stomach. So you go from being able to have a whole bunch of food in your stomach to a smaller amount of food in your stomach. That tends to be, um, I think for the most part, um, irreversible, but I feel like I have seen people that have that reverse. So I may be wrong about that. Again, not, not a medical physician. I'm just kind of giving you the rundown. The next one we'll talk about is a gastric sleeve. And that is, that is a surgery. It's newer where they remove much of the stomach and they remove like 80% of the stomach. And that is typically 100 irreversible, and. The what some of the research shows with the gastric sleeve is that there may be some hormonal changes that happen with the gastric sleeve that doesn't happen with the gastric bypass. And there may also be an improvement in cravings and things like that. And so so that's kind of like the difference between those two surgeries. Usually how you decide or who decides what kind of surgery you're eligible for is when you go to your surgeon, they usually tell you, okay, this is what procedure I think would work best for you, and that is very individualized according to you and your past medical history and your current conditions and all that kind of stuff. Next, there is this gastric band where you have a band wrapped around a portion of your stomach, and then it's typically adjusted. And so the this procedure, the gastric band is, is something that, because it's a band and it's not you know, it's not so much that they're taking part of your stomach, that is usually more reversible because you can have the band removed. And so because of that, um, because of that, the weight loss might be a little bit slower and at any point in time, the doctor can go in and adjust the band. So you can have it tighter at the beginning, looser, so that will probably also affect the amount that you can have in your stomach at that time. And then, lastly, is the duodenal switch surgery, and this surgery is very extensive. Um, there is many more complications with this surgery because they're basically—it's almost like you're having a gastric bypass, where they make your stomach smaller, but instead of instead of attaching it to like a little bit of your small intestine, it basically bypasses a pretty huge part of your small intestine. And then kind of attaches it at the end. And so because of that, with the duodenal switch, you are at very high risk for nutrient deficiencies, malabsorption, dumping syndrome, all of these kinds of things. All of these, for the most part, the gastric bypass, the gastric band, the gastric sleeve, the duodenal switch, all of these put you at risk of some kind of nutrition deficiencies. And that's what we're going to really talk about today is just kind of giving you the bigger picture of what I've seen um, and then just kind of talking about things to consider if this is something that, that you've been thinking about. So for the most part, when people are deciding if they want to go in and have some kind of weight loss surgery, the obvious benefit is that most people are in this place where they want to lose weight, right? This is the big thing. You want to lose weight for whatever reason, maybe related to your past medical history. Maybe it's just something that you're tired of battling. The, the the reason why probably varies a lot according to individual, but that's the number one benefit of having a weight loss surgery is for weight loss. But some other reasons why people end up getting weight loss surgery is because they may have a decrease in their disease development, or they may have an improvement of the diseases that they already have. So for instance, if you're somebody who has diabetes, perhaps that surgery would make your diabetes better and you would maybe not need as many medications. The same with high blood pressure, sleep apnea, high cholesterol. So for some people, especially if they have multiple disease states, having a procedure like a weight loss surgery with weight loss may then, you know, help decrease the medicines that they may need for these symptoms or perhaps for some of these diseases, depending on the amount of weight lost, they may end up not needing that medication at all. And then another benefit is that people that have it and are able to maintain their weight loss for the long term may feel an improved mood, may have less anxiety, depression, because they may be able to move better than they previously were, and their life may be different. And in some ways, that then makes it a benefit for them to have the surgery. But, you know, as with anything with benefits, there also comes complications or risk. And so any kind of weight loss surgery that you have when you're having any part of your GI tract where it is being surgically um, resected or cut into a pouch or reattached to a different part of your body, there's going to be some kind of risk for some kind of complication, right? And so what we've seen with weight loss surgery, one of the biggest complications so, when we talk about complications, we'll talk about short term and we'll also talk about long term. So, the biggest complication is that people may need, may have weight regain. And we'll talk a little bit about this after we talk about the other complications because this is a really big one. Um, and then, some of the other complications could be that you have acid reflux, people may have leaks around where they've had. Um, where they've had the surgical procedures done, there may be a risk of obstructions that happen where um, you may not be able to eat because you have some kind of obstructions that they have to address. Depending on what procedure you had, you could be at high risk for dumping syndrome, which I've mentioned, and that's essentially where you are eating a large amount of food that food may be high in fat or some kind of sweets or sugar. And then the result of eating that could be, um, it's called dumping because you can have nausea, diarrhea, vomiting, that kind of thing. So when you eat, you dump. And so typically remembering that the more surgery that you end up having on your GI tract, so your stomach, your intestine, probably the more at risk you're going to be for some of these complications. Especially when it comes to nutrient deficiencies, you're going to be the more you have bypassed in your GI tract, the more at risk you are that you could develop complications related to nutrient deficiencies, which we'll talk about also. Some of the other complications could be that you could have chronic nausea. Um, Some people also report that they have gallstones, so gallstones can be. Um, with anything, if you are losing weight too quickly, you're at risk for developing gallstones. And then if you lose a lot of weight, you can also have a complication of having loose skin. I've met many people that have had and lost about a hundred pounds, and then they're so happy to have lost this weight, but then they end up needing other procedures to help, um, to help get rid of the loose skin that is then hindering their progress. And from what I understand, and from the, you know, and this was a couple of years ago that some of that loose skin surgery wasn't covered by insurance. So they ended up having to pay out of pocket. Um, but typically I think they were happy that they had the surgery because they were able to maintain the weight loss, but certainly, you know, I think that also became another obstacle along the way of the weight loss of the weight loss, um, surgery course. I think also when people are going in and they're, you know, they're deciding that they're going to have this weight loss surgery, it's probably very exciting because something would be different in their life. And so I think we get so excited that you're not really, you know, that even though you may be told of all the risk and the complications and, you know, and anything that could happen or that there could be that you may need surgery for your loose skin. I think that you're, probably so excited that you're not in a place that you're like comprehending all that you're probably going through. And I could be wrong. I haven't had weight loss surgery, but it seems from an interaction with people, it's like there's so many challenges along the way. And then at the very end tends to be the loose skin and it's so disappointing for them. Um, But, you know, but, but it is kind of one of the things that is a reality. If you have weight loss surgery and you lose a lot of weight and you're able to keep that weight off. So, okay. So let's talk about now this, I like some of these short and long-term complications, right? So we talked about weight regain, right? So that's one of the complications. So even though you decide that you want to have weight loss surgery, the thing is, is that you, there's still things that need to happen along the way, right? So you can't like you can't have weight loss surgery and then expect that you're going to just be able to keep that weight weight loss off because you're not going to be able to if you're still not doing the behavior. So one of the more important things is just remembering when you're, you know, when you're thinking about it, you know people that are thinking about it, like if you're not in a position to change what you're doing, it may be hard for you to have that surgery and then make changes for the long term, right? So typically after you had some kind of weight loss surgery, you would have to eat differently, right? So you'd have to have like six small meals. And so you would, at the beginning, it would probably be really easy depending on what surgery you had that you would start to feel, you know, you would start to feel full. So you would stop eating, but certainly as time goes by, you can get into a place that you are eating more and you're able to eat more. And then you eat more and then you eat more. And so then you're back doing what you had previously been doing in terms of your portion sizes, because maybe you're not having like the nausea and vomiting that you did at the beginning when you first had the surgery. So like anything that you're doing, just knowing that A, there's a risk here that, you know, that it's a major surgery and that B, the behavior change component of it is necessary in order for weight loss to continue and to be maintained over the long term um you know I think if I, I think it's just remembering that um that this is like a lifestyle change too it's not just a weight loss surgery um that it's something that there's a lot of parts of it that you will be different and it's it's and it starts at the beginning, it starts from the surgery, but then also how you eat, like that all has to be a little bit different in order to be able to maintain the weight for the long term. And so portion sizes becomes differently. That's why you can typically only eat smaller meals are usually what people tolerate better at the beginning. So portion sizes matter. Um, You may have foods that you need to avoid post-op because, and even years later, because maybe you don't Maybe you're having symptoms of acid reflux or you have nausea or you have diarrhea from consuming them. So that's not something that you would know probably until you have the surgery and then post-op, you would have those complications or those foods that you didn't tolerate it. And then another thing is that with alcohol use, because you've had some kind of surgical procedure, especially the ones that are um, irreversible you're you're probably not going to be able to tolerate alcohol as well as you previously had and so alcohol use is you know is is really trying to make sure that you're doing it in moderation because it's going to be absorbed quicker probably. And then also consuming too much alcohol. Remember, if you have this like small amount that you can take in your in your belly at one time, you don't want that all to be alcohol. You're going to absorb it quickly. And then also that's going to cause you to probably gain weight, which is what you're trying to avoid anyway by your having this weight loss surgery. And then one of the other complications that I really, really wanted to talk about, and this is why I wanted to talk about this episode, is that we have seen a lot of nutritional deficiencies with people who've had weight loss surgery. So early in my career, I would say probably like maybe 15 years ago when they were really starting to do probably like um, the these weight loss surgery options, we had a lady that came in, she was one of my patients and she was coming in and she had weight loss surgery and was losing weight like crazy. They couldn't slow it down. She was having... Um, She had edema in her legs. She had a lot of swelling in her legs. She was having chronic diarrhea. And at the time, we didn't know that people were starting to have some symptoms of nutrient deficiencies, um, you know, a couple years after having surgery. So when typically when you go in to have a weight loss surgery, after you've had weight loss, you are on a vitamin regimen that you have to take forever, unless you have the band. You're going to need to take these vitamins forever. And what happens is, is that people typically, you're supposed to also go to your surgeon every year and they will then test you for nutrition deficiencies. But what happens is, is that over time, if people lost weight, they don't feel that they need these vitamins anymore. So they stop taking them. They don't really probably understand the, I mean, I think like once you lose weight and you get further away from whatever you've had, it's like anything, like you forget and you take, you don't take your vitamins. And so this is what happened with this woman. So as a healthcare profession, we didn't know that all these years later, after having these procedures, people would develop these nutrition deficiencies. And so this particular patient came in, she kept coming in, she was seeing other doctors and we never realized you know, why she was having all these complications, she ended up dying. And this was my first experience with a gastric bypass patient years after having surgery that had died. And so what they realized when they did, um, they ended up doing an autopsy for her. And we, we, as an institution really made some changes based on this, because there was obviously a lot that we didn't know that we needed to learn. And so what we found is, is that she was deficient in vitamin C and thiamine. And these are things like you would not expect to be deficient in. If somebody is a heavy alcohol abuser, you would expect them maybe to be thiamine deficient, but she was neither of these. And so because of that, we then developed this protocol where anybody that came in that had like surgery, you know, a couple years out, they were a couple years out post any weight loss surgery, we would check these specific vitamin regimen. and they're crazy. Like it's like vitamin C, zinc, copper, like all these things that nobody would be deficient in. And again, that's why we never caught that she was thiamine and vitamin C deficient because we live in a very westernized country where those deficiencies aren't something that we see every day. They're actually very rare. And so nobody would have thought that like, oh, this lady that had weight loss surgery would have been deficient in this. And so then in doing that, we ended up putting this protocol in place where everybody that came into the hospital, if they were having any kind of weight loss or any symptoms that we couldn't explain, we would, we would do this panel and we would test them to see if they had any nutrition deficiencies. And so as you probably can imagine, we had probably most of the people that came in had some kind of nutrition deficiency that we would have never known that they had, had they not, had we not done that panel on them. Some of the most common were thiamin, um, vitamin C, zinc, those kinds of things. Um, and so, you know, that's something that I want to really make sure that you know about if that is something that you or somebody that you know is choosing to have this kind of surgery is that it's forever. So, you know, forever you will have to take a multivitamin forever. You will have to take a vitamin B12 because your body may be not able to make it, or you may not be able to digest or absorb it because depending on what kind of weight loss surgery you had, how much of your intestine was bypassed, like you're, there's going to be a lot of nutrients that you could potentially be at risk for being deficient in because of that. Um, usually the more extensive the surgery, the more at risk you are of having these deficiencies. So if you're somebody who has a duodenal switch surgery, where you're gonna have more of your stomach, a smaller stomach, and then a, a bypass of your a lot of your intestine, you're gonna be at really high risk for having malabsorption, which would be like chronic diarrhea, and then also having vitamin deficiencies. Other vitamins that you would have to take would be calcium, vitamin D, and then any other vitamins that may come up along the way that you could be deficient in. So some people have to take iron forever or for like a pretty long time. Some people have to take vitamin C. So what typically happens when you get these weight loss surgeries is that you are supposed to go and see your surgeon every year until, I guess, I don't even know, I guess forever and then they typically have a dietitian that's there that goes in and will test your vitamin levels to see if you can be deficient in anything. But what tends to happen is, it seems, is that people, I think, either lose the weight and then just slowly over time, the further out they are from having the surgery, the more the more they kind of don't really feel like they have this need to take these vitamins anymore because maybe they're thinner or maybe maybe they've even gained the, all the weight back and they don't really feel like, why should I take this? I'm not the way that I used to be um, in terms of my weight. But remember, you've still had some kind of irreversible procedure done if you haven't had the band that was taken out. Um, you you still have to take these vitamins forever non-negotiable because you are at risk for having a deficiency in any of these things. And so it's just kind of something that you I just want to kind of discuss here that these are lifestyle changes that are forever. They are forever. They are non-negotiable because at some point in time, you you may start having these really weird symptoms and be deficient in something and not even know what you're deficient in. And, you know, our hospital was was in some ways we learned a lot from having that unfortunate mortality. Um, We learned enough that we were able to put some kind of protocol in place, but there's probably a lot of hospitals that don't do that. And so if you're not, if you're going to the, you know, your doctor's office or you're going somewhere that you're having these really weird symptoms and you've had a history of a gastric bypass, I would probably go back to your surgeon and kind of have, um, somebody kind of work you up to make sure that you don't have a nutrition deficiency because that could be a possibility. And what it also seems like is a lot of primary physicians and doctor's office don't really know which labs to test for. So they wouldn't, because it's hard. I mean, again, it's it's not like something you see all the time. So you'd have to probably be like a pretty big hospital that would um, would have seen enough of some of the complications to know to kind of what things to check for. And so it gets to be really crazy because even if you are taking your vitamins because you've had the surgery, you may be at risk for some kind of nutrient deficiency. So that's a really big one that I think that we don't really talk a lot about. I don't know that a lot of people know about it. And even people that have had the procedure have really great luck with the procedure or have gained weight back. Everybody you know, seems to be at risk for something if you're not taking your vitamins that you would need to take forever. And so then that kind of brings me to this idea of really knowing if weight loss surgery is something that you're considering, kind of really knowing um, yourself and knowing your body and knowing that there is a mindset that is also part of this process. So, in in terms of having weight loss surgery, it's not just having weight loss surgery, there's part of it that has to um, be maintained, right? So, like I said, like, you know, you may be on six small meals that might be forever. Um, you will have to be on these vitamins that's going to be forever non-negotiable. Um, and so it's just trying to figure out if, you know, if having the surgery is going to change your relationship with food, because ultimately there is a part of that in having any kind of weight loss surgery that. It may not change your weight, your relationship with food. And if you don't change your relationship with food, then you may not actually be able to maintain the weight for the long term. And so then that brings me into the next thing of like, you know, you may be somebody who had a weight loss surgery and gained weight back. You may have been somebody who had um, weight loss procedure that then was reversed you may be somebody who never feel like you took credit that you lost weight. You somehow feel like you cheated because you had surgery, and so I want to just kind of like you know put it out there that like you learned from this, and I, I just think like you're doing whatever. Like I just think you just need to acknowledge that um, that you're do- that you're probably doing the best that you can. I don't want you to have any shame around any of that because that's going to prevent you from being able to move forward with whatever it is that you're trying to change your relationship with food. And I think that when people have these weight loss surgeries, there is a shame. It's almost like this way of like, that you didn't deserve to, that you didn't do it the right way or that it wasn't hard enough. But I want to remind you that like, it's very hard to, to do all these things for the rest of your life. So anybody that has had any kind of weight loss procedure, it's a lot of work. And so it's a lot of work. It's a lot of mindset. It's a it's a pretty vigorous process. So it's not easy. And I don't know that it's actually the quote unquote easier way to do it because there still has to be a change in order to maintain the weight for the long term. So there is still some kind of habit that you're doing. That if you're able to maintain the weight, that's pretty great. And if you're able to reduce your risk of diseases, then that's great too. So I don't. You know, again, this podcast is to be informative, not to be judgmental or to be shaming. It's all about what is best for you and what helps you be and be who you want to be and the best that you can be, and that you feel empowered. And so, however it is, however you choose to do that is right for you. This episode is just meant to provide you with information based on the experiences that I've had. Um And so that's why I wanted to share that. But also knowing that, you know, just because you have weight loss, a weight loss surgery or procedure doesn't mean that you're magically going to love yourself. There is a process that is part of this too, that probably comes with the weight loss journey that comes with any weight loss journey, whether you are having a a surgical intervention or whether you're not having surgery. But there is this idea of learning to um, to change your relationship with food and change its relationship with your body and learn to love yourself and put yourself first. And so obesity in general is complex and there's many facets to it. And I mean, I think the bigger thing here is that you don't want to be in this place that you never love your body, right? So All of this, whatever you decide to do in terms of how you take control of your health is going to vary according to you and it's going to vary according to your relationship with food and your relationship with your body. But I certainly don't want you to wait to decide to love your body until you are at a weight that is your considered ideal weight because you can love yourself now. Now, today, you can choose because it's really a decision, right? You can choose, and it might not be easy to say, oh, I love my body, especially if you've been beating yourself up for years, but you can choose to maybe have a little self-compassion today, or you can choose to say something nice to yourself. Whatever size you are, I want to just, you know, kind of acknowledge that and to know that you don't have to be a certain weight to love yourself, and if you have had some kind of surgical procedure, you can love yourself for it, whether you felt like it was a success or a failure. And if you're somebody that this is a route that you want to take, also knowing that there is a process here of learning to love yourself through the process. And if you decide on no surgical intervention, and perhaps it's not even something, the weight isn't even something that's in your mind, great. You can love yourself today, And, you know, ultimately, whatever is best for you is best for you. Um, But surgery doesn't change the idea that you're going to love yourself more or less. You're just, it's just a decision today that you are going to love your body and that you're not going to wait and that you're going to start today and that you're going to start talking to yourself a little bit better. And, um, and, And success, I think, really is just... The change in your relationship with your body and with food. So no matter the method that you get there, I think, you know, whatever that is, it's okay. If you feel like you're in a place that you have a great relationship with food and your body and that you've had some changes along the way and that you feel like that they're something that you're continuing to move forward and loving yourself, then I think that's pretty great. So let me know if you have any comments about this episode. Um, if you have any hot topics that you want to talk about, you can, as always, find me on Instagram at whole health Empower, or you can email me at info at trisha And I want to say to remind you just to be kind to yourself that, you know, like any step that you do that you take today no matter how imperfect just taking one step forward will will help you and will get you into a place that maybe a year from now will look a little bit different i want you to remember to start where you're at and that it's not about being perfect but rather about being 1% better every day and then over time as you are able to make a little bit more changes Um, then, you know, hopefully that will pan out to you feeling like you are a little bit more inspired and empowered to take action. So I want you to be kind to yourself and I look so forward to seeing you guys back here next week.